Right. Good afternoon, David. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. A little quiet. Sitting over there. Uh, how are we doing? This is Thursday. We're back at Steering Live. We're excited to be here as uh, as always. Um, it's been a week. Before we get started, though, next week, we don't have a guest. Well, we kind of do, but we don't. We have two guests, three guests, myself and uh, Jamie Deering and Chad Kapodik. Are gonna all three of us are gonna jump on, hosted by uh, the wonderful David Bandraski over here, and we're gonna have a a daring Q and A from anything from company history to banjo repairs and maintenance, anything that you want. So you can join us next week um, for a daring Q and A special, uh, same time, same place, Thursday at three p.m. Pacific, and uh, we'd love to see you there and just kind of hang out and answer your questions. It's gonna be fun. Um, but today we are very excited to welcome uh, Andy Thorne of Leftover Salmon to Deering Live. Hailing from North Carolina, Andy honed his skills uh, on a scene that uh, included uh, the likes of Ryan Kavanaugh and Lex McGee, who we actually had the privilege of hanging out with uh, at Summon M in Nashville earlier this year. Um, and in time, Andy moved out to Colorado and waded deep into the Colorado jamgrass scene, eventually landing the banjo chair for Leftover Salmon, which he has held for over a decade. So without further ado, let's bring him on in. Mr. Andy Thorne, where is he? There he is. Hey, guys. Hey, Andy. How you hey, doing? Andy. Good to see you. feel like I'm on uh, Between Two Ferns here. <laughs> I just realized I have two ferns on either oh, side yeah. of me, but I'm no Zach Galifianakis, so sorry you I don't have that, that humor. <laughs> That's a funny show. It's, it's a, a great really show. Funny. I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, really and is. I just realized I should do a parody down here. <laughs> between two other plants between other two plants, plants. yeah <laughs> do you want to uh let it lead us in with a little bit of a tune okay and then we can uh, we can have a little chat i got my pre-war out today for the first time in a while for the banjo nerds out there like all of us probably so i'll do a traditional song by i think this is by jd crow although jimmy martin may have taken the credit for this one it's called leaving town it was on the Jimmy Martin big and country instrumentals record, I think. Love that album. picky thing you did right in the middle there yeah a little uh, single string tried to throw in a few few of the things i like to do right very nice well uh yeah it's good it's great to have you on the show thanks for thanks for being here 
Hey, it's an honor to be here. I love Deering, and uh, one of my first banjos was a Deering Sierra. All right. That was the second banjo I ever owned. Played it for a very long time and loved that banjo. Now I'm a proud Crossfire owner, and uh, just great to be here with y'all. Yeah, definitely. I think I first found out kind of you came on my radar like maybe it was like 10 years ago and I was at Rocky Grass and uh, there's that restaurant where down below in like the basement they have like a jam I forget the name of the restaurant Oscar Blues yeah Oscar Blues yeah yeah yeah. and and uh, you were playing I didn't know who you were and I was like who's this guy killing it on the banjo down here and then figured out it was was you and then you're the new uh, banjoist for, for leftover salmon and everything. Heck yeah. Um, but uh, so you're originally from North Carolina, right? Yep. I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. So there's a lot of banjo around there. And I guess that's how I ever started playing banjo. I bought one at a neighbor's yard sale when I was about 12 years old. And that's what I was never a huge banjo fan before that, but I just happened to get it there. And that's what led me to pursue banjo for all these years. And what was the scene like in, in North Carolina at that time? Um, man, we were really lucky. I was lucky that I went to high school with some other friends that were into bluegrass. If you've Mm -hmm. heard of John Stickley, he has a band called the John Stickley trio. So we were in high school together and he played guitar and mandolin. So we got to start a band and just kind of hone our chops that way. And there was a really great organization called Banjo in the Hollow in Raleigh that had monthly jams, and there were just amazing players there. So that was hugely lucky that we got to play with the older generation there all through high school. And then uh, by the time we got in college, I joined a band called the Big Fat Gap that uh, Ryan Cavanaugh came in and out of, and Rex McGee played fiddle in some. So that's when it really took off. We we met Ryan Cavanaugh and we were just like, holy cow, man. And we kind of right. followed him around all through college trying to figure out what the heck he was doing, you know. Because <laughs> right. he was just on right. another level. Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky to have, you know, have have like a little scene like that and have have somebody that pushes you to somebody that like shows you that these other things can be done, you know, right. So you're just kind of figuring it out on your own blindly. We were really lucky between the banjo and the hollow and the big fat gap. And, you know, the stickly brothers in high school easily could have just been playing banjo at home in the closet, you know? (laughs) Right, 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 right. So it was, it was fun to be in a band. That's really, for me, it was really being in a band and playing with friends that, that did it for me that sealed the deal. Like, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. That's a good point there for a lot of people that, you know, are, that kind of are starting out a lot of time, you know, students of mine, they don't play with people. So how important yeah. is it? Do you think for people to have fun and play with other people, have the social aspect and, and, you know, I think it's everything aspect. to me. It's yeah. everything because if it's not fun, it becomes something that's work. And mm-hmm. so to me, if, like having fun has always been the most important thing. That's what I love about Leftover Salmon um, and the band that I ended up. That's probably why I ended up there. because I, mean, I saw those guys play in North Carolina high school and college a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was always like, wow, these guys are having a great time and they're playing great music. Right. right. So, yeah. That's really so having fun and playing with friends to me is more important than getting everything perfect in your practice. Right. It's good advice. Yeah. So what brought you out practice more? (laughs) We all could. I mean, there's always that, you know, there's there's the balance of of not. I see Miles Andrews said big fat gap. There's the leader (laughs) of the big fat gap right there. Nice. Is the band still happening? That band is still happening. They've been, I mean, over 20 years, I think. They've had cool. a lot of great banjo players. Rex McGee, Ryan Cavanaugh, me, Chris Roselle. Who else? Courtney's the banjo player now, so it's always fun in Chapel Hill. Do you get back there very much? Do you still have family there? 
Yeah, my folks are still there. Now that I have a kid, it's a little harder to travel, so I make them come here. Right. That's so how long have you been in Colorado? You have, like why? What brought you out to Colorado, and and uh, and how'd you how'd you get into the scene when you first got out there and everything? I've been I've lived out here for twelve years, but before that, I traveled out here a lot. Um, in two thousand two and three, I was out here with some guys I met, and they ended up being these great guys in the bluegrass scene. I met Anders Beck and Travis Book. They're in Green Sky and the String Dusters now. I met them in Durango, and they convinced me to move out to Colorado and start a band with them. And we had won the Rocky Grass contest by the end of that summer, and I won my other banjo here that I'll play in a second. So I've been coming out here forever, and always loved playing out here because the fans are so great. Right. The Colorado Bluegrass fans are just amazing. I think it's the yeah, best. You can really, you can like get, pack out a show on a Tuesday night and people love it. It's really fun. How is it different than, than like the scene in North Carolina? How is that Colorado scene versus North Carolina scene different? In North Carolina, there's, I feel like there's a lot more players maybe, and that's really fun. Um, and the music's amazing, but out here, there's a lot of people that want to come to shows and support the music. So somehow that's a little different. Uh, in North Carolina, there's a lot of that too, of course. But out here, it's another level of support from the fans. Right. In my eyes. And they're more right. open to experimentation, possibly. There's less of that traditional, traditional bluegrass thing. I don't think North Carolina is like that as much anymore these days because the jam grass is totally crossed over. Right. Into IMA yeah, and all that and stuff, you know. Right. So how'd you get, um, when you got out, to, did you move out there because you were in, got the Leftover Salmon gig? Originally, I got the Emmett Nershey band gig with Bill Nershey and Drew Emmett. Okay. Which Chris Pandolfi hooked me up with. Um, he was a really great friend and I sort of told him, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to get back out on the road. Um and he, he was just leaving the Emmett Nershey band to start the String Dusters for real. So he recommended them to me, and I drove out in the station wagon with all my shit. <laughs> and I've been here ever since. Right. Pretty much. And that, and then, that kind of eventually led into this, the Leftover Salmon gig. Yeah. Right? Drew yeah. and I became great friends, and then I became friends with Vince, too. And... uh it was just awesome to join. Matt Flinner was the banjo player at the time, but he's sort of always been more of a mandolin player and right, he was doing right. a lot of his solo stuff. So there were a lot of conflicts and I was just all in to the leftover salmon thing. So I got the gig. Yeah. How is it getting a gig that for a band that you were once a fan of, you know, it's that it wasn't. Yeah. I feel like I've known those guys half of my life, even though I've only, I've been in the band 12 years, but I really feel like I've known them forever because I've been seeing them forever and I've loved their band, you know? So now they're just my big brothers. Right, right. Yeah. What have you learned while, while playing in that band from them as, as a musician? And then you're also a songwriter, so as, as, as a songwriter yeah. as well. I mean, the biggest thing was more, was going to a louder band. Mm -hmm. As a banjo player, that took a lot of figuring out how to get the banjo to plug in loud. Um, and I think I have a pretty good grasp on it now, but I'm still not happy with my acoustic banjo tone plugged in because it's never going to sound like a pickup. I mean, like a microphone on a right, banjo. Right, right. But I think it's it sounds pretty good. And uh, just learned how to extend your jams and... Stuff like that, really. Right. Not keep, like, when you're, you know, not just have a one or two chorus solo, but really keep it going and not kind of just make it repetitive and kind of boring, right. but still kind of lead somewhere. Yeah, my banjo tunes are, like, 20 minutes long in the band now. <laughs> not that that's all me. There's a lot of other players, but they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're that long. 
that must help your playing too, just because of the stamina you have to have, you know, with on your hand, on your right hand. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, at some of these songs, I always joke on stage, and I'm just after a 20 minute banjo song, stretch it out, you know. Right. Right. Because it is demanding. Is there any times when your hand, mainly your right hand, I would think, gets starts to like get tired or something, and you need to kind of change your technique mid song to accommodate does that happen at all yeah you- I, I mean the lighter you can play the better that's one of the that's one of the nice things about a pickup is you can get it quite loud and then you really want to play with a light touch because if you play hard with when if you're playing hard when you're plugged in it does not sound good right you have to play even lighter when you're plugged in so if you have yourself really loud and you're playing really light you can save some energy and sound really good. But the more tired you are, the harder you start playing, you know, in my experience. It's a classic. You tighten up and you You start playing. You start playing too hard and then the tone goes to hell. Mm -hmm. And then your timing kind of gets choppy because you're all tight. It just all starts to crumble. Yeah. When you're the perfect looseness, it all sounds the best, you know? Uh Is there a good way to practice that that light touch? Do you have any... you know, tips on that? Well, so when I'm playing plugged in, I put a towel inside the resonator mm-hmm. between the coordinator rods and the head to mute it. And I think it's actually really good practice to play at home like that with it not even being plugged in, just acoustically, because you really can't play very hard like that. It won't sound good at all. Um, so playing with the banjo stuffed acoustically just really softly and try to get some good tone there. I think that's a pretty good practice for that with the metronome. There's no practice for playing full stage volume and speed though. Mm -hmm. You just have to get up there and do it. Right. Right. And do you stuff, so do you stuff the, the air chamber of the banjo like completely, or is it just kind of like, like you would like an old time banjo where you're just kind of playing a towel in between the co-rod and the head a little bit? Uh, so I use a Fishman Rare Earth pickup, uh-huh. and that's the same one I've had for years. I, th- I still think it sounds great. And uh, with that style pickup, it has a little magnetic shim on the head. So if you're not stuffed, it sort of swells up with feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you stuff it to different levels depending on how loud you want to be. Right. I know that some people just put a little piece of foam in between the coordinator rod and the head, and that's enough for them if they have in-ear monitors or maybe they're not playing with the drummer. For me, sometimes I can put one hand towel in there and get get by with the stage volume. Sometimes I need two hand towels. Some people just cram it completely full of foam and like smash the resonator back on so it's very full. Like Scott Vestal... He would actually have a lot of foam in there. Yeah, I think Wes Corbett told me he has, with, for, for, with the Sam Bush band, he, he's, he, he has foam in there fully. He does. I, it's not fully, though, because I've discussed this with him, because uh-huh. he has great tone plugged in. Yeah. He just has a little bit of foam in there. And is I it, find myself losing the foam all the time when I'm on the road, so I've just started using a hand towel. <laughs> There's the always foam a hand is towel. Between- it's touching the head between the, the yeah. co-rod and then touching the head. It's so you're essentially kind of muting the rod, head. You're muting the head. And that's why I right. like to practice acoustically like that because it's not loud, first of all. And you can sort of, you can tell if you're playing too hard like that because it just doesn't sound good. It, it just kind of deadens out. It, it kind just, of deadens out. But it actually sounds quite good stuffed acoustically if you don't want to be too loud at your house. Right, right. And so and then it's like a balance of finding that acoustic, the, stu- the amount of stuffing, the, really you know, the, it acoustic, is. the tone versus yeah. like how loud you need to be and anti-feedback. Yeah. If I'm at a club and the speaker is sort of right over by my, mm-hmm. by my head, I know I'm going to need to stuff more. If the mains right. are closer, if you're at a big outdoor festival, maybe you won't need to stuff as much. Right. So that's something that it's really annoying, honestly. And it's, but it's what you have to do to sound good with this pickup. If you're using a Cavanjo style pickup, I know you guys mm-hmm. use those. You don't yeah. have to do that. 
Right, right. Because that's more of a that's, humbucker. It's a, it's a humbucker. It's picking up the strings versus the thing about the fishman. It's picking up. It's essentially pick, with that shim touching the head. It's essentially picking up the movement of the head. Yeah. Versus the strings. Yeah. This is the most boring topic of all time for non-banjo players, but <laughs> the people here can appreciate it. <laughs> right. I know. This is, this is a mystery for a lot of people. you know. Try, and it is for some play. banjo players, too. I mean, a lot of guys, yeah. when they first start plugging in, I was the same yeah. way when I started. I didn't know what the heck to do. Yeah, I had the Fishman Rare Earth, the first version, and it it didn't work. You know, I was playing in, in bands with drums and, and electric guitar, and it, did, it just didn't work. And I didn't have the right you know the i didn't have the setup you know right and if there's you put a towel in there days. it would sound good i would guess yeah, yeah. you know and what di box are you using are you using and you're using like like a tone dexter thing or anything like that i'd really like to try a tone dexter that's a modeling di yeah. so that one you record your banjo through some microphones and you like download it to the di and they model your banjo but I use a Grace Design, which is actually from Lyons, Colorado. Those are fantastic. They're great. Those are those are pretty complicated to use, though, right? Are you using the 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 yeah. which one are you using? Well, I have both of them, and I used the to run in stereo with a microphone and a pickup. Right. But the microphone is kind of problematic with our stage volume, so now I just use the smaller one, which is called the Alex, I think. Yeah, 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 and that one is not as complicated. But yeah, without my sound man, the bigger one, I would stand no chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've heard the people from Grace I've talked to, even they're like, you kind of need to know what you're doing on uh, with with the with the uh, um, yeah with the Felix. You know, it's not just plug in and turn some knobs. They're a great company and they're local, so we really we would really yeah. like to support them. Yeah, they make great stuff all the way around. They do. Um, and and then um, kind of going over to when do you go to the crossfire? You have a cr deer in crossfire I there. Do. Um, Let's check it out. Wait. Yeah, do you want to play something on that? Since we're just talking all electric banjo stuff. Yes, sir. <laughs> of course, my room is always a mess because, you know, it's the banjo way. Yeah, this thing's really great. Jamie hooked me up with this a few years ago, and I played it on the road a ton. Nice. Yeah.
How about that, huh? Awesome. Yeah. Make this thing cool. Um, what and you just have reverb on that? Do you have nothing else going on? That is just reverb with my amp right now. And what amp do you like to use with the crosshair? Any I find that any amp sounds good with reverb. Okay. Um tube, tube or versus solid state, any lean that way? It's kind of I like both, actually. I use a tube more often. What I'm using right now, can you see that back there? It's um yeah. I, I like I'm obsessed with this amp. So it's a Fender Twin, which if you if you've ever picked one of those up, they're insanely heavy. This one you'll you'll look at it and then go to pick it up and be amazed at how light it is because it doesn't have tubes. Oh, okay. This is one of the new modeling amps that uh, that models the tone, so you don't need all the heavy tube stuff. So this is what I bought for myself. So when I'm setting up for a gig, I don't have to carry the heavy shit. <laughs> right, right. But I know I see. Chris mentioned uh, Mark Van, who used to play a Crossfire as well. He used a PV Nashville 400 strictly. Okay. That's what he used, and it sounded amazing. And yeah. that was an older style Crossfire, and I believe the pickups were different back then. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm not sure either. Yeah. It's interesting, though. He used that banjo for his acoustic tone weird and which is weird and it sounds acoustic if you listen to some of their old albums and you're like wow that's a great sounding plugged in acoustic tone and it okay. was his, it was the crossfire wow interesting so yeah i haven't been able to get that tone out of this i'm not sure what was different or what he did but maybe it was just his hands because he was incredible you know yeah 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 but I think any amp with re I think reverb sounds nice on this. So any amp with reverb makes this thing sound great. And does the attack is the attack different on a solid body um, banjo electric banjo versus when you're playing with the acoustic banjo that's plugged in? It's totally different because of the sustain you get. Mm -hmm. This one's fun because you have a lot of sustain, so you can do a lot of things that you can't do on an acoustic. Especially the bends. That's that's my favorite part about it, you know? Yeah. You know? Turn it down. Yeah, you can get that pedal scale sort of thing. Yeah. But if you start doing rolls, you're going to be in a, in a lot of mess because... Right. They feed into each other. tougher for rolls yeah yeah yeah. but it still sounds good you know and are there, is there effects that you like to use with that I, I think for sure i really like to use a uh, a chorus like a grateful dead tune it sounds really cool yeah. sounds and, great uh, you can use the envelope filter you know that's kind of fun yeah and also this one for a little Oh, it's not even on the right one. Is that the the um? I have this one is called a harmonist, but it, it's kind of an octave. You know. Gives you a little kind of steel drum right. sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can keep going on and on. You really can. I don't even have a big pedal board compared to most of these guys these days. <laughs> I just, I'm not much a gear guy. 
Maybe. I'm a banjo player, so I wish I was. I could make a better, better pedal board then. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, kind of changing gears. I mean, you know, you you have you make these great uh, over the past year or so. You make these great videos online with a fox. Um, is the fox Sorry, just the, the wild fox? Sorry, the here today. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are asking for, for the proxy and the I mean, and everything. I wouldn't be surprised if he's walked by that window out there because he's just <laughs> always in the yard. Is it just a wild fox that hangs out around your, your place? There's quite a few wild... I live in the Boulder Hills. Um, right. There's a lot of space up here. It's the mountains, for sure. And uh, I guess we've always seen foxes, but during the pandemic, we were home every day, you know, we, we didn't go anywhere, so every day the fox came by, and we sort of formed a bond with him, and he's still coming by, you know? So, and we realized he does really like music, and if you play for him, he'll kind of sit there and listen to it. I mean, you guys may have seen it. It's it's pretty magical. It, the, the videos are fantastic. It, um, it, is, it is pretty magical. It's Just really magical. It from afar. We're, we don't I'm have sure a dog. It, we're one of the few neighbors without a bunch of dogs in their yard. So, so he just comes to our yard all the time. And, uh, he really was our best friend during the pandemic because he was the only friend we could see. Right. He's a banjo fan. He's a banjo fan. So we let him hang out. <laughs> so you released, you released, um, a full length recording during the pandemic called Fox songs and other tales from the pandemic. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's very the good. There's a beautiful cover by uh, Ad Noise Studio buddy in Denver. He does incredible stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Um, everybody, check it out. It's a very good recording. Um, and what you're you're playing Clawhammer banjo on it and three finger and uh, and you're writing songs on it as well, right? It's more of a songwriting album because uh, it's not it's not much of a picking album. There's not a lot of solos necessarily. But it's all songs that my wife and I wrote together during the pandemic while we were pregnant and while we were hanging out with the fox every day. So it's sort of, you'll hear a lot of those themes if you listen to it. There's songs about the fox and about our little boy that was on the way and uh, just about life during the pandemic, like what was going to happen. And we recorded it all right here down in my little studio. I played all the instruments it was a great quarantine time killer, and the last few months waiting for the baby to come, it was a great thing to be doing to keep the nervousness down. Yeah. And I, my wife doesn't even sing, and I made her sing harmony on, uh, on the whole thing, and I'd just tell her what to sing. Get, I'd be like, come down to the studio. Like, you're going to sing. <laughs> because she helped write all the songs, and she has an incredible voice. So it was really fun for that, too. It's it's a good recording. It's a very good recording. How long have you been playing Clawhammer? Since you started, kind of? Or is this a newer thing? Not since I started. I, always, I never really thought Clawhammer was something I wanted to pursue until I saw the Kruger Brothers at the Carborough Art Center. And the way Jens Kruger played Clawhammer, I was just totally amazed. And I said, I have to learn that because his melodic Clawhammer style just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually hard to get claw, the claw hammer right hand pattern down. Once it clicks, you're sort of off to the races. It's kind of this weird thing, and it just opened up. And now I rarely put my picks on at my house because it's it's not it's fun. Claw hammer is just more of a natural thing when you're sitting around, or if you're playing by yourself writing songs. Claw hammer more is more like strumming a guitar, and it lends itself to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like when somebody hands me, I'm at a, like a party, and somebody hands me a banjo and says, "Play something," right? And I, I can just pick it up and play a claw hammer tune, but you know, I may not have my picks. The banjo might be going all out of whack, and so it's hard to right. play three finger at a yeah. decent level. Um, totally and, agree, uh, yeah. and I think it. I think it translates to people a lot better too. Definitely. Like Cause you're playing chords, you're fans. drumming chords and stuff. So. Yeah. Like I make videos all the time just because 
I'm, you know, that's what you do now. You do social media stuff. I could like practice really hard, get a beautiful three finger arrangement. Nobody cares. Maybe not (laughs) nobody cares, but like if I play some claw hammer tune that like at sunrise, I play these claw hammer tunes. I literally make them up on the spot and people are like, that's so beautiful because I agree. Like it's more fun to listen to. I think as a casual listener, claw hammer just has something that's ancient sounding. There's a rhythm, I think, that you an easy rhythm to catch on to. You're playing harmony, you know, yeah. as opposed to three finger. It's a, it's a lot of single notes playing all on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. I I just love claw hammer. I could do that too. I wish I my other banjo that I do claw hammer on is upstairs a lot. Um, that's it's a, it's an unmarked banjo. There's no labels on it. I have no idea what it is, and it's it's a banjo cut off at the fifth fret. So it's uh, it's it's higher pitched, and I just love the way Weird. it sounds. You know, right. it was two hundred bucks, and it's it's tuned to open C, sort of like a banjo okay. with a capo. Okay, so fret. right, it's but then gotcha. I put it in double C tuning from there, so it's double F basically, double gotcha. F tuning. Right, right, right. But I love playing Clawhammer on the regular resonator banjos. And do you play Clawhammer with with leftover salmon at all? I just started. So one isn't of the there a Clawhammer on, tune uh, on the new record? Yeah, that I hear. There's okay. two Clawhammer songs. And there's uh, brand new "Good Old Days," the title track. I played Clawhammer on, and I just heard that's nominated for a Grammy. Not the final nominations. There's a lot of nominations in the first round, but that's kind of exciting because usually yeah. we miss the Grammy radar. But uh, and then I also played Clawhammer on "Red Fox Run," which is one I wrote. And it was, it's, I think it's really great to start doing it on stage. I can tell people in the crowd just instantly dig it. And it's fun for me to mix it up after playing. I'm a banjo player that like takes all these solos and plays a million notes. So mm-hmm. it's nice to get soulful and play some claw hammer. There's the brand new Good Old Days cover. I wish I could remember that artist's name because he's amazing. He did a wood. When did that come out? When did that, that record came out? Come out? Early May. We were sitting on it for quite a while because of the pandemic, and then uh, Compass Records picked it up, which was really cool because I'm a huge Allison Brown fan. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a really great album cycle. I think. <laughs> when was it recorded? Was it recorded pre-pandemic or it was it- recorded pre-pandemic at Echo Mountain Studios in Asheville? But okay. you know how it, it's there's a lot of post stuff. Yeah. Our bass player, Greg Garrison, just worked on it in post-production forever and tightened everything up. And uh, it's I think it's a great... It's my favorite album we've made because it's more self-produced by the band. Mm-hmm. And then Greg did all the post stuff. And it turned out great. How was self-producing it make it... How was it different? Why was it better? What, why, did, did it, why did you like that process better? Well... The last three records Steve Berlin produced, and he is absolutely incredible. I think he lives in Portland now. He's in Los Lobos. But um, the arrangements are a little bit more tricky because of that. And it's, it's, he made up some incredible arrangements and like honed our songwriting. But this time, this album, the arrangements are just a little simpler because it was just us. And personally, I sort of like that stripped down style a little bit better and that's what i liked about the band back in the day so i that's what i like about the self-production there's still some fancy arrangements on there but not quite as we didn't work through them quite as much as it, as you would have with a producer right right going back to learning claw hammer you know you mentioned how you know it was hard at first and then you kind of got it you know I often I have to have this with with banjos students. You know, everything has different learning curves and plateaus. You know, three finger you can kind of learn to an alternating role pretty quickly. Where the climber, you have to figure this thing out, but then you can kind of go with yeah. a pretty once you get one motion kind of yeah. thing. Um, do you just want to kind of talk about the, com, the you know the comparisons between learning 
three finger versus learning claw hammer? Um, it's, I mean, claw hammer is all about breaking through that first block because it really is once it clicks, you're just off to the races and you can, you can start learning drop thumb after you learn the original. It's just like two downstrokes and a pop with your thumb is the best way I can describe it. Like, you know, so it's, it's really just getting that first right hand pattern to click. Once you, once that clicks, you're off to the races. You can learn drop thumb where you do. That's what Yin's Kruger does so incredibly well. His drop thumb is just amazing. It gives you a melodic claw hammer. Mm -hmm. Double C tuning is definitely my favorite. You go down, you put your D string down to C, and then your B string up to C. just a nice sound it's really easy to write little melodies in that you know right that's a little bit of the drop thumb with a modal kind of thing and the double c tuning do you do many different tunings when you're playing three finger at all? Or you generally stay in G tuning? Mostly stay in G tuning so I can improv. Right. Otherwise so you don't just it's too hard to improv. Off. I used to learn stuff in D tuning and it just doesn't have much of a place in the band. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how Bela because Bela often has different tunings and he seems to improv over them. <laughs> there you go. Cheers. <laughs> Hope I'm not breaking up. I just saw No. Okay, good. Having a beer, a little stout. Breakfast. Breakfast of champions. Hey, it's five um, o'clock here, so <laughs> almost. Uh yeah, it's 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 amazing when people it's can improv in other tunings, but uh but yeah, I'm like you. I, I three finger I generally stick to 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 G tuning um yeah. because of the improvisation spot. I, agree. Um, I love the songs Bella fucking right. I mean, gosh, the title track off of Tales from the Acoustic Planet 2. I mean, what tuning is that in? I learned it at one point, but I have no idea now. <laughs> Blue Mountain okay. Hop, that's the song. That's that's a crazy song, and it's so good. So you have another, um, you just released a single um, just now called Dunno. Uh, do you want to tell us about this? That is a cover of a Mac Miller tune. And I really became obsessed with his album, Swimming and Circles. They're just totally sick. It's some of the best hip-hop I've heard, and it's very musical, so I can enjoy it. And uh, I, have, I have a bunch of his other songs recorded, too. I'm getting ready to release. Trying to make a whole album. There's not very much time when you have an eight-month-old baby, but... Uh, I just like if you guys haven't checked him out, I think it crosses over into any fan of music, even bluegrass. Yeah, for and those that don't know, who, describe him a little bit, what his music is. He's a hip hop artist, and his earlier stuff is definitely a little bit more stereotypically hip hop lyrics and stuff, but I still love a lot of his earlier stuff. And then his, his newer stuff is really introspective. A little dark, and um, but amazing music. Whoever was producing all the music of this stuff is just—it's the albums are incredibly well produced. So check out Circles and Swimming; those are just two killer albums. Yeah, so it's definitely different for the bluegrass realm. But I started learning a few of them, and. I was like, wow, this works really well on banjo with my voice because I'm not as much of a singer-singer 
So I'm not rapping on the songs, but it's sort of like in between talking and singing. So I think it works Mm -hmm. well for my voice. And then when I put up some videos of that, people loved it. You know, there's a lot of fans out there that love Mac Miller. So I was like, wow, I should run with this because people are so into it, you know? Right. And did you do that all at home, that single? That I did at a studio, actually, in my friend's basement. It wasn't a super pro studio, but that's Alwyn Robinson drums from Leftover and Greg Garrison and my buddy Thomas LaFond from Banshee Tree on guitar. And then we sent it to Eric Deutsch in Mexico City to play piano on. And he put the finishing touches on that, you know. So check that out. I'm pretty proud of how that turned out. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds good. And it's, it's definitely something, it's definitely a different sort of feel than uh, mm-hmm. other things you put out. Yeah. I was glad to not be playing drums on it. Let me put it that way. <laughs> After playing drums on the Fox album, I was like, I should not play drums on another recording ever. <laughs> Let a drummer do that. <laughs> it's a lot of work to get it all right, man. Yeah. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of drum down in my studio with, right, right. <laughs> with no snare stand. I like have it leaned on a desk. <laughs> So it's nice to have a real rhythm section. You mentioned, uh, you know, suggested Mac Miller for for people to check out. What are some other things that you're listening to lately that that you that people are always asking? Like, give me some new music to check out. That's good. Right. Uh, I don't listen to that much bluegrass these days because I think I got a little bluegrass out. <laughs> sure. So I really love the indie folk movement. Mandolin Orange, they were great friends of ours in Chapel Hill, and now they're called Watch House. Their new album is incredible, and I love the direction they've gone. And that's the kind of music I really just like to listen to. And then some of their peers, Bonnie Light Horseman, that guy produced their new album, and their their album's incredible. Check out the new Bonnie Light Horseman album. Um, actually, I really like Casey Musgraves and some of the country stuff. Who else am I into? Gregory Allen Isakov. He's a local guy here. Love his albums. Right. Definitely more mellow stuff now because I'm in a band that slams all the time. So I'm not <laughs> looking to listen to slam grass at home necessarily. <laughs> right, right. Looking at just relax and chill. Yeah, I like relaxing stuff. I love, I actually like classical sometimes. I, and I listen to a lot of vinyl. And that's like old country and uh old jazz old bluegrass too for some reason i can stand old bluegrass on vinyl but when i'm like listening to a lot of stuff i just i'm not in the mood i don't know right right yeah and then has this kind of has your playing kind of changed in the years as as your tastes of what you like to listen to has kind of definitely probably changed too I think my writing has probably, but I still love to improv with the band and, you know, be on the spot on fast stuff. You really have to be ready. Your mind has to be very clear, you know, that's something I still really enjoy. It's kind of like going on a mountain bike ride or something. You have to be very present in what you're doing or else you're going to hurt yourself. (laughs) And the same thing could be true on stage with Leftover Salmon because you never know what the heck Vince is going to do. And musically, you just have to be super engaged and present if you're doing all this fast stuff all the time. And I really enjoy that still about the band, you know? Yeah. How's it feel to start to be playing with the band again after, you know, having the year plus off, basically? It's been a killer summer. I think we've played more than a lot of bands this summer because we live in Colorado and there's a lot of great opportunities to play outdoor. Right. So I know a lot of groups I've talked to, we've gigged a lot more than them. So we were really lucky. We got to work a lot this summer and it was really, it felt great to be back. We have this great new record. Um, We have a new band member, which is exciting. We have Jay Starling who was John Starling's son the seldom seen he's totally his own musician though i mean the guy he plays keyboards dobro lap steel and having him in the band has really been sweet so i think next year 
we're going to be, we only have a handful of gigs left this year. And uh, next year, we're going to be really hitting it hard with Jay being with us because he's awesome. In normal times, y'all go out on the road pretty, pretty heavy, right? We're probably at about 100 gigs a year. Right. Which is a lot with the traveling. Mm-hmm. I'm always rooting for less. <laughs> <laughs> I love my I love my hillside. I'm just hanging out up here with the fox. You know what I mean? So it doesn't look like a bad spot. And with the family, got. it's great to be up here, and it's so great to pop out for gigs whenever whenever we're doing them. And bringing the family, the band loves ba- I mean, the guys in my band just love babies. So it's really really fun. They're all old dads and. You can be like, here, hold Barry for a second. I'm going to go use the restroom. You know what I mean? Nobody's like, get that baby out of the green room or something. So <laughs> it's really great in that way. That's good. Yeah. So what else are you working on uh, right now? Um, I'm, I'm finishing up the Mac Miller thing. I'll be putting out another mm-hmm. single in a couple weeks, whenever I make a cover for it. <laughs> I just make those covers on my phone. You'll probably laugh at the cover I made for Deneau. Um, It may not be all ages appropriate, but I had fun making that in my app on my cell phone. But actually, <laughs> so we have the new Leftover album. I'm, I'm going to work on a Clawhammer album coming up because people love the Clawhammer stuff I do so much. I never thought that would be one of the most successful things I could do, but I think the way it translates to people... Every, you know, when I post those sunrise videos playing Clawhammer, people are like, I wish there was an album of this. I could listen to this stuff all day, start my day with this. And so I really want to make a record of all those little songs I've made up at sunrise. I just wake up, grab the banjo and whatever melodies in my head, it comes out in the strings because in double C tuning, it's so easy to play little melodies. So that's what I want to work on next. Cool. Do it. I think uh, um, I want to bring Jamie Laddie in. I think he has a question, and I think there might be some questions in the chat that he's monitoring. Hey, man. Hang on. I'm, I'm muting myself. Jonathan's muting me, and I'm vice versa. What's going on? Uh, how are you doing, man? That was great. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I like how we're referring to pre-COVID as normal times now. Right. Like that's now the official term for like anything pre-COVID was back in normal times. Back in normal times. This <laughs> Secondly, is the renaissance. We moved into this era now where we can like legitimately make, legitimately I should say, make album covers on our phones. Right. <laughs> Never even thought about it, but that's crazy. Like yeah. when you go from like Pink Floyd, Storm Ferguson, kind of like high level design and now we're making it on our phones craziness i love apps. um i have too many apps <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a problem it is. um all right so ben asks on the other chat do you have a favorite live salmon tune and why oh my goodness probably a ton of them right a ton of them for my own song i love playing aquatic hitchhiker it's like it, it was actually a song it was a little warm-up role i was working on right when I joined the band and I didn't think it was even a song, but when I showed the band, Oh, did I freeze? Sorry. When I showed the band, um, they were really into it and they basically turned it into a song. Did I freeze? Sorry guys. <laughs> no, I think good. I did on my, yeah. Okay. So it was a warm up role that they put these rhythm rhythms with and turned it into a song. That's the one that's 20 minutes long now. So it's just so to me, it's so cool to be playing like a real jam band song that's driven by an acoustic banjo and it's, it's a lot of fun to do that. But in terms of the band songs, I love playing Drew's breaking through because I loved that song in high school and uh, highway song euphoria. A lot of the old classics really. Do you still get the same level of like excitement going out on stage and, and, you know, getting, getting pumped up to play, play the set list that you guys have laid out every night. And yeah. If there's a good crowd, you're always excited to be there. Yeah. And if we're not playing too late, of course, <laughs> we're all the late night band. So uh, now that I get up at like 5 a.m. with the baby every day, I'm not used to staying up till four in the morning. 
I'm like, really? So We're playing that. at midnight again? But <laughs> well, if you're awake anyway, then you get to take care of the baby, right? <laughs> exactly. You stay up a little longer. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> that's, that's hard to be used to these days, but I'm always excited to play with the band. And I just, I've loved those guys since high school and it's still that fun, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, it's a 12, yeah. 12 years you've been in it, right? I've been in it for 12 years, which is crazy. That's great. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And to, to still have that kind of like fresh energy and excitement with it is, that, that's what it's all we've about. Always, like, I mean, we've always brought in new material, so that's, that's what keeps it fresh. Yeah. Do, do you, does everybody in the band contribute to, to that and the songwriting, or is it kind of like heavy in one direction and then everyone else kind of like follows on, or how does that I think work? before, like when I joined the band, they had just come back from a break. And they've, we've gone through some different members in those 12 years. So sin, since I joined, I started contributing a lot of songs. And I even got two title tracks of the first two albums I did. So that was insanely cool. Yeah. And then Greg writes a lot. Greg, the bass player. And I don't think he wrote much before that. I guess he did write Fayetteville Line, one of the songs. So he's been contributing for a while. And then on this latest album, Alwyn sings the drummer. And he has an incredible voice. And he's such a sophisticated musician for being a drummer. No offense to drummers, but <laughs> he like wrote this song with this really complicated chord progression all in his head and told us how it went and all this stuff. And we're just like, wow. And he has one of the best voices in the band. So everybody's writing, you know, That's which awesome. keeps it fresh. And it keeps it fun for us. If we're there not able to contribute our ideas, it wouldn't be as fun, you know? Absolutely. Well, uh, Cindy Lou, she says, hi, Andy, have a great birthday tomorrow. Nice. Is that true? I'm turning 39 tomorrow. Hey. Wow. Congratulations. Hey, I'll do a cheers. How about that? that? My glass of water. Cheers. My new Deering glass coming out. This is out my soon. Scramble Campbell glass. I like it scrambled. I like it. <laughs> and you're drinking stone as well, right? That is a, uh, it's a local beer. It's left-hand milk stout. Okay. Good beer. Try it, but next time we're out there, yeah, well, happy birthday for tomorrow! And uh, thanks, man. Have a, have a have a drink. So cool, Dave. Anything else you want to cover or go over? No, I think that's it. Thanks so much for for being on. Um, Thank happy you. Happy birthday! Yeah. Absolutely. Hope I played Did, enough music for y'all. But it was. Fun we, to I'm chat. sure that everybody would love to hear one more thing. If you've got anything else up your okay. sleeve? Okay. Let's see. Clawhammer, or uh, how about some Clawhammer? Since I'm in that too. Sure. Yeah. Pump for that. That's going to be really fun to hear that album. So keep us posted on that, and maybe we'll do a, a Clawhammer Andy Thorne episode. I need to try Next one of the Deering open backs. We know Is a guy. It, do you guys cross over with Vega? Is that the deal? Yeah. So we, cool. we own the Vega brand. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So let us know uh, what you're thinking and we can we can have a conversation for sure cool but um yeah so tune in next week everybody thank you for joining us and especially everybody watching um on andy's facebook page today uh we're tuning into that as well so thanks for all you guys for tuning in um thanks to all our daring regulars great to see you and for our newcomers see you next week where we'll have a uh, ask us anything session with myself and chad kapodic and Dave, uh, jamie daring from the daring banjo company so that'll be fun See you then, but Andy's going to play us out. Thank you so much, my friend. Happy birthday. We'll see you soon. Bye.